today's edition of the Grind Hours podcast is brought to you by SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the number one ticket app for buying and selling tickets. Sports fans, music fans, theater fans, fans of comedy, use my code GRINDHOUR at checkout to get $20 off your first purchase and get in the building. Again, that's code GRINDHOUR at checkout at SeatGeek.com or the SeatGeek app. Life's an event. We have the tickets. For basketball games, for comedy shows. <laughs> Maybe it'll work with the Reboot Roadshow coming up in Terrytown. Maybe. If only I had thought of that when I bought the ticket. <laughs> I don't think, I didn't buy them on SeatGeek, so I don't think it matters. Well, Nick, um, it's been a while. Yes. But, um, Super Bowl has come and gone. Mm-hmm. Audition strikes again. We're back on Audacity for right now. The audacity of audition. <laughs> And uh, quickly, just to go over the Super Bowl, I mean, this is, I was right. You were right. You were 100% right. Patrick Mahomes was the driving force. He didn't play great for the first three quarters. He played okay, but the fourth quarter, he came alive. He took over the game. He willed the team to victory. They were down 20-10. to 10. He brought them to the promised land. And he, he, he rightfully won the MVP. If you haven't seen the Travis Kelsey uh, speech during the parade, yeah, I mean, oh my God. He's hammered, but it's the <laughs> best version of hammered during a celebration since probably shirtless JR. Yeah. It reminded me of, um, remember uh, Johnny Gomes, mm-hmm. another Kansas City legend. Remember his speech? Cy Young winner, not on our team. We beat his ass. <laughs> MVP of the league, not on our team. We beat his ass. Yeah. So there's something about Kansas City sports teams winning titles and just great speeches coming out of that. Looking at Mahomes, though, Mm -hmm. I mean, he's the most terrifying player in the league. And he beat what was supposed to be, be, and a lot of people think it, it was, the best defense in the league. Yeah. It was, and he beat him. Do you think that this is, and this is a stupid question, and I know everyone's going to ask it, do you uh-huh. think this that this is the start of the next dynasty? It, I, I, it almost hurts saying that question because it's such a cliche. It's such a stupid question because there's, there's no idea of knowing. It really is such a cliche, but, I mean, if, if anybody's going to be that in the AFC, I think the Chiefs set up the best because they have – what, what do you need to have a great dynasty? You need a great quarterback and a great coach. And they have both of those things. Andy Reid shows no signs of slowing down. And even if he were to, maybe... Mahomes isn't anytime yeah, soon. Yeah, Mahomes is not anytime soon. And remember this, like the Andy Reid's got a tremendous staff over there. If he decided to retire, Eric Bieniemy could, yeah. could take over and they wouldn't... They would be still be great. Yeah. So, I, I think, and they they have Travis Kelsey for a few more years. They have Tyreek Hill locked up. They have Damian Williams, a young running back who's um, cost-effective. They have the other Williams. They have yep. Hartman. They have great guys on defense. I think Kansas City, they've got the Honey Badger. Yep. Kansas City is going to be around for a long time, and they're going to be scary for a long time, and it starts with Mahomes. You know, it, it's the... If anybody's set up to to be that next dynasty, I think it's that them even more so than maybe even the Ravens. I would say so just because I like Mahomes 
a little bit more than I like Lamar. That's not saying I don't like Lamar. Yeah. So every Lamar fanboy, relax. Ravens the, the, fans, relax. The, the annoying tendency of people these days to be like, oh, if you like one, you can't like yeah. the other. I like both. Yeah. But Mahomes is objectively better. Mahomes is an MVP and a Super Bowl champion. Yeah. So Lamar just has one of those things. But there's still time to change that. Going to the other team. Yeah. The Niners. Where do you think they go from here? I, I really like their team. They they are They have a great team. And here, they're set up like the Chiefs to yeah. just continue making runs there, at a ring. There's a few things that were pissing me off about this week in the, the sports talkosphere. <laughs> um, number one was the endless amount of people saying, Oh, do you replace Jimmy G at quarterback? No. The Nick Wrights of the world. No. The um the uh stop it, okay? <laughs> He his this for, there's a few things that I want to say to put things in perspective. Remember, Jimmy G was a backup for a very long time, and when he got to San Francisco, he was injured. Right. He missed a big chunk of last season. If you add it up, even though he's been in the league longer, he has less starts than Patrick Mahomes. And the quarterback position, more than probably any other one in, in football, is a reps business. Mm -hmm. The more reps you get in game time, the better you are. Jimmy G got better as the season progressed. He had he they, they were seven and one in games where he threw more than two hundred yards. Right. He has a tremendous winning percentage, and he has a great group around him. The defense is excellent, led by Nick Bosa and Richard Sherman. Even though Sherman didn't have a great game. No. Um, the offense is excellent with Moster and Debo Samuel, who they were finding all kinds of creative ways to use, and George Kittle. The Niners are going to be just fine. And that was annoying me about the the blogosphere is uh, the the knock on Kyle Shanahan, repeated complaint. I think Kyle Shanahan got a little bit conservative, and I think he might have been a little bit gun shy about the last time he was in the Super Bowl of a big lead. But ultimately, it wasn't his team. It wasn't his team. And here's the thing: people are blame. People are saying Kyle Shanahan didn't call great plays in the second half. The only reason, in my opinion, that the 49ers lost the game is because Jimmy Garoppolo made one bad throw. That was it. If he hits Emmanuel Sanders on that touchdown, it's 27 to 10. It's as good as over. And he, he missed him, and that was one bad play in an otherwise very solid game by the 49ers. So we're having a whole different conversation if that's the case. The, I, mean, um, I mean, I don't think, I don't think anybody's – this. it was a great Super Bowl because it was very tightly contested. It was one of those games where a team had to lose, and the 49ers were on the losing end. But they're going to be fine. They're back in the thick of it next year. They're going to be – Perfectly okay. This isn't a Rams situation with them. It's not a Panthers situation with them where it's only a one-off thing. They're going to be in contention. It comes down to this when you really look at it. There mm -hmm. were two evenly stacked teams. One team just had Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. That's that's literally per what it comes down perfectly to. Perfectly said. One team had a better coach and a better quarterback. Not even the coach. I, I, no, I mean, I think Andy Reid is a better coach than Kyle well, Shanahan. Yes, but, but they, it's they it's, coached pretty much the same game. Yeah, one team had Mahomes and the it's, other one didn't. It's unfortunately, the, it's the A plus tier versus the A tier. Right. That, you I mean, know? that's that's all. There, that there's is. the valedictorian, and there's the honor roll student. 
Right. There's a guy that goes to Harvard and the dude right b- behind him that the, goes to, to Brown. Do. Yeah. <laughs> so so uh, they're going to be fine. They're going to be right back in it next year, probably 12-4, and 13-3 again. They're perfectly set up to, to win the division again and be right back in the thick of things. Switching gears to baseball. Mm-hmm. A moment. Can of- I say real quick? Go ahead. Bill Murray, Groundhog Day Jeep commercial. Best commercial of all time. Close second is the Lil Nas X and Sam Elliott dance off at high noon. That was for Doritos. That was good. I always cure delivered again. I, yep. I might be the only person in history that ever, that ever looks for the cure car commercials. <laughs> but you won me over a couple of years ago in the Patriots Seahawks Super Bowl when mm-hmm. you just said, "Fuck it, this is a car commercial ad," and that was it. Yeah, or something like that. Yeah, and um. Yeah. How about the halftime show? Great, great halftime show, too. Great. They really, like, Miami, I I was listening to... just devote Miami to Super Bowl City. I was listening to to Cowherd the other day, and he said, listen, just L.A., Vegas, Miami. Those are the only three places the Super Bowl needs to be. I completely agree. I understand. Miami, LA, and Vegas, those are the party cities. Those are the event cities. I understand wanting to put it in LA because of the new stadium next year. Mm -hmm. But just let's make Miami Super Bowl City. Miami is Super Bowl City. I like it. I'm down with that. It should be played in Miami. It just looks looks correct. Yeah. And it feels right. It's they they know how to party down there. It's the number one party city in America for a reason. Let's just devote Miami to part to to do that. Yeah, and if you if you're like, oh, we can't have it in a city where there's already a team. If we must compromise, at least make it Orlando. <laughs> we'll we'll com- we can compromise and put it in Orlando. Yeah, switching gears to baseball. Let's have a moment of silence for the Boston Red Sox and their entire fan base. Yep. Okay, moment of silence is over. <laughs> the- Suck it. Yeah. Suck it. Um. You. Stupid idiots. Enjoy losing for the next five years. I'm going to love every minute of it. Yeah, um, this is not a good a good week to be a Red Sox fan. Um, it's, it really feels like the entire organization is in chaos right now. They're punting. They're, they're punting on everything. They're, they, we still don't have a manager. It's a week before pitchers and catchers and no one is managing the team. And uh, the mo- the biggest generational talent that we've had is can, being shipped off to Los Angeles. Can, uh, what's his name? The mascot is it Benny? Um, the, the Wally the Green. Or monster. Wally? Can Wally be your manager? I, I would I would happily take Wally as the manager at this point. I would take Wally from the Dilbert comic strip as the manager <laughs> at this point. There there's a deep cut for you listeners. So let's just go over the trade. Yeah. Mookie and Price yep. to the Dodgers. And Alex Verdugo and to the Red Sox. Alex Verdugo and some minor league pitcher from the Twins that apparently, apparently can throw 100, but every minor league pitcher at this point could throw 100 miles yeah. an hour. It's, it's what's Maeda shocking now is twins. Maeda goes to the Twins. Yeah, it's shocking um, that when a person doesn't throw 100 coming out of your minor league system. Yeah, it, at this point, the only thing that excites me is when I see 105. <laughs> I, we've been conditioned. Yeah, because we've been conditioned to see 100 as normal because it happens so much. But anyways, the, here I like Alex Verdugo. I'm, I welcome him aboard. He's a 
fantastic prospect. He's probably going to be a great player, but he's not Mookie Betts. No. He's not Mookie Betts. And the thing is, is like, what is this sudden... I guess we should have seen this coming with the... the but because that he's going to run things like the Tampa Bay Rays because he comes from the Tampa Bay Rays and he was obviously very successful in Tampa. But what is with this sudden biblical fascination by John Henry to under the cap? I mean, I know he says that I know he says that every every team has has reloading seasons. The Yankees do it, the Dodgers do it. And he's not wrong, but the Yankees also don't trade away Aaron Judge. <laughs> they they traded they 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 ate the money with Ellsbury. They traded away pieces like Beltron and pieces like you know Andrew Miller. Andrew Miller, exactly. Pieces players that were more easily movable that still had big contracts. And um, I I I don't see why just moving away, trading away price to somebody for a bucket of balls eating some salary and and moving other you don't have to move Mookie Betts give Mookie his contract and then move Jackie Bradley Jr. or move uh Xander Bogarts move someone like that move somebody who's not as crucial to the being a driving not force in the team player as as Mookie Betts says I don't understand the deal he was the star of, of that team he's missed he was Mr. Red Sox for for five the five years he was there I don't understand it he's it's 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 a sad day to be a Sox fan, and you can feel the frustration in the fan base because the the Red Sox are not run like this yes, traditionally. But guess what? You you guys don't get to complain because you've had five four World Series in this past dec two decades. No, I'm not. Listen, I'm not complaining. Any Red Sox fan that goes, "Oh, woe is me, we traded Mookie Betts." This is the tax you pay. Yeah. For four World Series. For four World Series. They also came in. We also came in last four out of five years at one point. It's the tax you pay for four rings. I'm, I'm just pointing that out. Uh, so we've had higher highs than the Yankees, but also much lower lows. You know what this trade reminds me of? Remember Bobby Valentine? Yes. The Yankees never had a season with Bobby Valentine. No, I'm so happy. We beat his ass in the World Series. <laughs> but this trade reminds me of the Adrian Dallas Carl Crawford trade. Yeah, from a couple of years ago. Yeah, that's what this reminds me of. Because as good as Price is, he can't really do it in the postseason. Well, he did do it in the 2018 season. Well, yeah, but who knows what that was aided by? True. <laughs> um, just like so, he's Carl Crawford in this situation, and Betts is better than Gonzalez, but yeah. And it's just weird to see them completely punting on the season because it's not like the team has really shifted that much from what it was last year or two years ago. I mean, this was a this was a team that won 108 games and the World Series in 2018, and then last year won 84 because a big so so many people got hurt last year. Pitchers got hurt. And, you know, there was no closer for most of the year. There was no bullpen whatsoever to speak of in the first half of the season. And they still managed to win 84 games. So it's not as though it was out of the realm of possibility that we could compete I'm, in 2020. I'm very happy that 
The Red Sox. Of course, you're happy because now there's one less team to worry about in the division. Well, I'm happy it's, that the Red it's Sox the Yankees. completely crap the bed on this scenario, giving it's, Sale a massive deal, not realizing, oh, at the end of October, we're going to have to pay Mookie Betts. Fuck. Yeah, I think they did realize it and just didn't care, and they were going to go over the tax and were willing to do that. But then suddenly, you can't switch. You that, that can't that can't be your philosophy, and then suddenly switch. But that's what I'm, yeah, if I agree. It is, you're brain dead. That's what I was about to say. Uh, suddenly, John Henry got religion on the luxury tax, and I don't understand why or how. It's a complete about face from what this team was planning to do just six months ago. It's very confusing. Just, and the, this <laughs> and with with the penalties expected to come down for the the. The scandal. It's gonna be great. It's, it's, it's gonna be a great year to root against the Red Sox. It fantastic. It's just a, the team is completely in limbo right now, and I don't know how to feel about them one iota. Enjoy, I guess I guess we're gonna see what we have come June and July because the, these first Xander two Bogarts. months are gonna be extended spring training basically. Enjoy Xander Bogarts putting up cr- ridiculous numbers for a crappy team. Enjoy getting rid of J D Martinez in July. Enjoy, yeah. Enjoy. Why couldn't that be have been the deal? JD Martinez served his purpose. The World Series was won. JD Martinez isn't a building block of this team. Just trade him away to some it's a team that needs a DH or some AL NL team that needs a, a power hitting left fielder. There there was options on the table there. There's bound to have been, right? Right? Not. Right? I would even have traded Devers before I would have traded Mookie. I love Rafael Devers. This, maybe this will give you the, at least to me, this is the, makes the most sense. A front office that trades away Mookie Betts obviously didn't make the calls for anybody else on the roster but Mookie Betts. Yeah. And you know what this reminds me of is when um, it almost feels like a sabotage attempt. On his part, Heim Bloom. Maybe he's a re- a Rays sleeper agent. <laughs> That's just my dumb conspiracy that I just made up just now. But um, because I was gonna say it reminds me of when Derek Jeter took over the Marlins and immediately traded Stanton to the Yankees for a bucket of balls. Well, I mean, it wasn't a fair trade, but it wasn't mo- monetary because the Yankees ate a shit ton of his salary, but. No, I'm very, like, this is, we, the Red Sox are taking this as whatever comes down from these uh, cheating allegations and the cheating scandal, whatever mm-hmm. comes down from that, we're accepting, and we're starting over. Yeah. From scratch, this we're is starting, ground zero. We're starting from scratch, we're punting on 2020, we're presumably punting on, on 2021, right. and it'll be, we're in for... We're in for another Bobby Valentine year, another uh, couple John Farrell years. Don't get too attached to the next manager, potentially. Yeah, no. It is. It's going to be... It might be Wally. Might be Wally. It's going to be whoever it is. Probably some um, some Rays cast off. I'm surprised they haven't tried to pry Kevin Cash away. He wouldn't leave. I don't think he would leave either, but he does have ties to the Red Sox He's organization. He's going to get a statue outside of... Uh... Him and Ryan Stanek are going to get a statue outside of Tropicana. I'm just saying because he has he has long time organization. He was on the 2007 and 2014. Was he and, really? Yeah, he might not have been on 2004, but he was definitely on 2007. Oh my god! But I didn't know that. 
but I, he has ties to the organization and he's a Heimblum guy. So I'm I'm not saying he would leave, but I'm just surprised they haven't reached out to him. You know, it's one of those situations, like, you know, you know, Peyton Manning's not going to come out of retirement, but you reach out to Peyton Manning. Yeah. You know what I mean? We'll see. That's that. It's that kind of thing. Do they get a manager before spring training starts? You would assume. <laughs> Who's who? Do you want? I want Jason Veritek, but if Jason Veritek is just going to be a button pusher, then I don't want Jason Veritek because Jason Veritek has a real baseball mind. Buck? I well, I I want Alex Cora, but that's not going to happen. Buck? Question mark. If Buck is, it depends on. I don't think Buck and and Heim Bloom would, because if Heim Bloom is hundred percent a, a, a sabermetrics guy, he's like a sabermetrics god basically. He's yeah. like the Jonah Hill character from Moneyball, yeah. but in real life. Yeah. I mean, so I I don't think Buck is go, is going to coexist with that. I I would like, but I would love Buck to be the manager, but I don't think it's the right environment for Buck. All right. This... I think we're going to end up with a Mickey Calloway type. And oh, that's, boy. I shudder to think of... What about Mickey Calloway himself? God, please no. <laughs> please no. All right, so we're go- this is a quick episode. Luis where... Rojas is already off the table, so... <laughs> we're going to transition to the Oscars. They are this Sunday. The annual uh, play, uh, play-by-play. The annual Grind Hours Oscars talk. So we only where we only talk about the Oscars that actual filmmakers care about yeah. the four the big four yes um, best picture best screenplay best cinematography and best director although real quick I will say if 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 you want to bet money mm-hmm. on the acting winners bet on Joaquin Phoenix Renee Zellweger Laura Dern and. Actually, I don't know who to bet on for Best Supporting Actor. But bet on those three, because it's almost certainly going to be Joaquin Phoenix, Best Actor, Renee Zellweger, Best Actress, and Laura Dern, Best Supporting Actress. Which would be actually the first win ever for both Laura Dern and Joaquin Phoenix. So that'd be a pretty cool story. They both deserve it. They definitely do. Especially Joaquin. I don't want to get into the Best Supporting Actor, Actor. No, because that doesn't... Supporting Actor, Best Actor, and all all those. Nobody cares. If you have a... Listen, I act. (laughs) I I am a working actor. You could put me in in 1917 and I'd give a good performance because (laughs) the director is just that great. Anybody who knows the basics of acting, if you have a great director, you can get great great performances out of people who have never acted before in their life. So, these are the ones that really matter: the look of the film, the vision of the film, the writing of the film, and the film itself. So, where do you want to start? Uh, Why don't we start with best cinematography? Because I think that's the most obvious of them all. Yeah, it's going to be Roger Deakins. This is out of the ones that I care about. Yeah. This is the only movie that I have not seen yet. 1917. 1917. I unfortunately have not gotten a chance to see it either. But I've heard tremendous yeah. things about this movie. And here's the, Roger Deakins is an old veteran. He's been nominated 15 times. He's a living legend in the field of cinematography. He is considered by pretty much everyone one of the best, if not the best, camera people who has ever lived on this planet this is and this probably... this movie is unbelievable how they were you i the, the mind doesn't even 
can't even process how this this thing was done. Uh, and a natural light edited to look like a single shot, constant long take war movie with explosions and 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 darkness and and you know cannon light and all of these moving battle scenes and and sold costume soldiers and all kinds of things and this dude was able to take these 10 minute long takes and have them put together and make it look like the movie is a seamless thing from start to finish it's unbelievable this is probably my favorite category just in general and mm-hmm. this year because i mean you look at it you have robert richardson from once upon a time in hollywood rodrigo petro from the irishman i or Patricio? I, Rod- I, Rodrigo Prieto. Prieto. I yeah. Tremendous. Another tremendous DP. And, and Lauren Shear from uh, from Joker. Yeah. Which the all of them... The only one I haven't seen in this category is The Lighthouse, but I don't... Lighthouse even... had amazing camera work, but it's... um, it's This is a stacked... It's yeah. stacked. And like... I mean, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was... They, they use, made gorgeous use of color in that film. Um... Same thing with Joker. The the darkness. The the darkness and Joker and the way that like the neon of the city just popped off the screen at you. It was it was gorgeous to look at. But I I think I think Deacons has his second Oscar win pretty well wrapped up at this point. I think my second would go to Joker. I, I agree. Best original screenplay. Let's go there. That's my second favorite. Just because that means creativity. Yeah. We have original screenplay where the the, the 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 true creative minds of Hollywood run. Noah Baumbach for Marriage Story. Yep. Quentin Tarantino for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Both amazing scripts. A dual writing credit for Han Jin Woo. Bong, Bong Joon Ho yeah. and um, somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. For Parasite. Ryan Johnson. I uh-huh. can't believe it. For Knives Out. I can. That's a really great script. Uh, and a duel for 1917 with, with Sam Mendes and Christy Wilson Carnes. Carnes or Carnes or something like I'm that. Ba- I'm totally botching names It's today. okay. Oh, my God. It's okay. Um, let's go. Let's say who we think should win and who we think will win. Because I, it, this is one where I think it's two different things. Deacon's cinematography, I, it's, I think Deacon should win and he will. But here, it's... It's a little harder to pick. I think Bombuck should win for Marriage Story. I think Ryan Johnson should win. I absolutely love the Knives Out script. The way he he creates this mystery atmosphere. He keeps you guessing the entire time. He keeps pulling the rug out from under you. Yeah, but I've and it's seen very, that movie before. But it's it's you haven't though. At least I didn't think I had. Because it's it's that, maybe not that specific movie, but that type of movie. I've seen that movie before because it comes out every once in a while. It does, but it's when you do it, and you're you're you, that's his originality is to make put his spin on it, where it's very funny, it's very um twisting. I get, I get it's, it. It's just a very smartly written, tightly packed script. You can, it, it it's it's the kind of. More more so than any of the other nominees, I always like to say this, because theater is something that's very dialogue-driven. Right. Um, the best scripts, to me, are the ones that you could translate it into a stage production and nothing would be lost at all. See, I think Marriage Story could do the exact same thing. I think it could also, but I think Knives Out would be a tick above that. So right. I'm, But I think Noah Baumbach will win. Okay. 
think I think it'll be either be him or Tarantino that ultimately wins. See, I think Tarantino will would will probably win this. Mm. Cuz he's he's the old veteran. Yes. And he like people just love Tarantino. Yeah, if he wins, he would tie Woody Allen for um most um screenplay wins. Really? Yeah. Wow. Cuz they they would both have 3 at that point. So that that might be another reason that they would be swayed to vote for Tarantino because Woody Allen is persona non grata now. Yeah. So for Tar- stupid ass reasons. Yeah, but they they might want to they might want to bump Tarantino up so Woody wearing the pedestal. I'm uh, not not on the pedestal right. all by himself. Best we director. we all know Hollywood is a political town, yeah, Joe. Yeah, 100%. 100%. <laughs> best director. Best director Tarantino, Todd Phillips for Joker. Mhm. Boon John Woo for Parasite, Scorsese for The Irishman and Sam Mendes for 1917. All very deserving candidates. I think Scorsese is the only one that's kind of the legacy pick. Because Tarantino's knocking on the door of legacy at this point, too. The the, the I agree, but I think he I actually think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is his best directing job out of all of his movies. For a couple of reasons. It's the the amount of detail that went into recreate because he's had mo- He's had a movie in a his, movies in historical settings right. first, but they were kind of his fantasies of what those historical right. settings were. The amount of detail that went in that he put into building the actual 1969 Los Angeles mm-hmm. is astounding, and the amount of control he had over the 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 length of the story and the the depth of the story and the depth of the characters, I was impressed with that. I think it's his best directing job. I think Scorsese is there, not saying he did a bad job on The Irishman, because he did a phenomenal job, but he's there because he's Scorsese. There's there's nothing about The Irishman that I was like, wow, this is amazing directing. I was like, yeah, this is a really great movie from a really great filmmaker, just like Goodfellas and Casino and Departed. and There's nothing that separates it from those other ones, in my opinion. Well... There's one thing in particular. The that's, aging. That's Action Bronson. Yeah. <laughs> Action Bronson, 10 out of 10, best supporting actor. Who do you think will win, and who do you want to win? I want Tarantino to win. Um, I think Mendez will win, and it goes back to what we were talking about with Deacons. It's the one-shotness of mm-hmm. this, and the fact that he was able to get this amount of coordination. It's the same thing as when... um. Alejandro and Yuritu won right. the, the awards for like for Birdman and and how Alfonso Cuarón won for Gravity because of all the moving pieces right. that you have to work with. I think it's going to be Sam Mendes, but I want I want Tarantino to win because we were talking about him winning Oscars for right. stu- uh, um for writing. He's never won a directing award. See, I I, I want him to have one because he has people. People think of him as a writer who directs, but he's really stand out at both. He's one of the few. I think this is tough for me because I also want Tarantino to win, but I want Todd Phillips to win for Joker as well. I wouldn't be mad if Todd Phillips won. But uh, I think it's going to go to Sam Mendes. Mm-hmm. I re- just because that movie is ridiculous. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be mad if, if Todd Phillips won either because he did, he, he did tremendous work with with joker and the 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 way he was able to build continuously build suspense Mm -hmm. and keep you keep you floored to what you were watching it's tremendous job 
All right, best picture, 1917. Yep. Ford versus Ferrari. Joker, Once Upon a Hollywood, Parasite, Marriage Story, Jojo Rabbit, which is just a joke in this <laughs> category. Little Woman, very good movie, and The Irishman. Let's start by process of elimination. Jojo, Rabbit, Jojo Rabbit and Ford v. Ferrari have absolutely no shot at winning. Ford vs. Ferrari was a fun movie. It's a fun movie, but it's not winning Best no. Picture. This isn't a case of last year where there were not really any great options. Right. And they went with the one that was crowd ple- the biggest crowd pleaser right. in Green Book. Right. Which is... um. This is not the case this year. There are a lot of great options. So if it was last year, Ford v. Ferrari could have won. But it's this year with The Irishman and Marriage Story and 1917 and Parasite. Um, So I think those two will not win. I think Little Women won't win because it's a little more of a niche product. It's still a good movie. It's still a good movie. Don't get me wrong. And I think Parasite won't win because it's a foreign film and foreign films never win at the Oscars. I'm sorry, but that's just the way it is. Americans are stupid and don't want to watch subtitles. (laughs) So we're left with the big five that are kind of up in all the other awards. Um... What I think will win is either 1917 or Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Out because of the, out, of the, out of the big five, what was your favorite out of the bunch? My favorite out of the big five, probably Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I'm in lockstep with you. Yeah. I mean, my favorite movie of the year was Uncut Gems, but that was not nominated. <laughs> so Snubbed again. Snubbed again. Fuck you, Academy. Honestly. This means Adam Sandler is going to do a shitty movie on purpose now. We That's what he just promised. Want a nom- He was so good. He was so good. But that that's what he promised. Remember when he was on Howard Stern? Yeah. He said, if I don't get the Oscar nomination, I'm just going to make a shitty movie on purpose. Well, guess what? He can. He's <laughs> yeah. Adam Sandler. He can just do that because he, he has... Will it be over, un- over under? Will it have a, a better or worse score than Jack and Jill? It'll this be new a project? thousand times worse than Jack and Jill. <laughs> I can't wait. Um, so, Which is unwatchable. Yes. I've actually seen that movie more than once. Did I ever tell you this story? Did I ever tell you this story? No. I'm going to tell this story for all the listeners out there. So um, in high school, I was dating this woman, Mm -hmm. this girl. We were 15, 16. Right. But she she had a brother. Mm -hmm. There's no way to say this without me coming off like a massive asshole. (laughs) uh, She had a brother who was mentally handicapped. Right. And his favorite movie was Jack and Jill. He watched it religiously. Oh, boy. He, he, he watched it on a loop in the house. It was constantly on. I've seen it many, 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 many times. There's no, like I said, there's no way to, for me to say this without sounding like I'm judging the guy. Right. And I kind of am, but his, his favorite movie of all time was Jack and Jill. I guess you have to be mentally challenged to love Jack and Jill. (laughs) That's the lesson. I'm not going that far, but I'm just saying that he's got bad taste in movies. If that's his his favorite movie of all time, bad taste in movies. I'm Um, not going to you for movie recommendations. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. Uh, But anyways, so I digress. I think I would love for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood to win. I think it has a great shot as does 1917 
Joker's a dark horse. Joker is the big dark horse. If it depends on how people vote, because that seems to be one where people either really love it or they really hate it. I don't understand why who hate it hate it. I do not understand whatsoever because it's excellent. Yeah. But people either love it or hate it. So if enough people, it's going to be one of the one one of those things where a lot of people are going to vote at number one, but a lot of people are going to vote at four or five. Right. And it has if it has enough number ones and once upon a time has enough twos and threes and nineteen seventeen has enough twos and threes, then it could sneak in there and win and we could have like an upset situation, like how Shape of Water won a couple years ago. Terrible movie. <laughs> Terrible movie. Or how um or how Moonlight won, where yeah. you get the reverse and it's right. the upset is a good thing. Right. But um I could see that, but I think it's gonna be one of the, the big two. Right. Shall we say? Uh, so we've reached the end of the road for this pod. Um, if you're new to the program, this is the part of the pod where we plug our stuff and uh, just become self-centered for a little bit. So, yes. Nick, why don't you plug your stuff before we get out of here? Um, so my name is uh, Nick Paradis. I'm an actor and a filmmaker. I'm currently working on the as-of-yet-untitled RST documentary about the reopening of RST video as seen in Clerks. Um, we were just interviewing Ming Chen from Comic Book Men the other day. He had a lot of interesting things to say. We have a um, couple interviews lined up with former cast members and former crew members of Clerks and just people who worked in that video store and worked in that, that Kevin Smith world and right. what their opinions are and all this. So it's going to be interesting. Um, Dixon is doing a great job as director. We've got a great crew. Shout out Turco. Shout out Chris Kelly. Shout out Dennis. Shout out Brian. You know, a great group of people to work with. And uh, shout out Ming. He was a really awesome interviewer. Somebody should give that guy a show. <laughs> um, my movie recommendation this week, I finally saw Ford v. Ferrari. Very good movie. Very, very. Just so fun. Just so fun. And, and. I saw the behind-the-scenes stuff about how they had like the cameras on top of the I need cars. To see that. It's just it. It's mind. As somebody who wants to do this shit, it's just it's it's one of those moments where you're like, how did they do that? And like, it's it's so it's always so cool to find that shit out. And I am going to next Tuesday. I'm going to the reboot road show in hmm. Terrytown to watch Jay and Silent Bob reboot and talk to. Hopefully talk to Jason Mewes and Kevin Smith themselves. That'd be awesome. So get to meet him. So that will be the highlight of my month, I'm sure. <laughs> and um, yeah, I can't wait to give my review of that the next time I'm on. On this side of the coin, it's this podcast. It's my blog, jdatasports.blogspot.com with the basement view. Twitter, not the fake Jay Leo. You can follow me on that. Baseball arguments will come continue in the 2020 season i'm so happy to yes. get into arguments on twitter not as many this year but i'm going to be back in the daily uh the daily games and just <laughs> see what yankee fans are, are wrong about come at me yes i'm a self-proclaimed baseball twitter savant <laughs> fight me on it fight me i wouldn't want to fight nerds. you <laughs> fight me um but the uh, pythagorean theorem <laughs> We got a podcast coming tomorrow with Dayton over the uh, NBA trade deadline stuff. So um, until then, if you're new to the show, we take the ending of this show from the sweet words of Semisonic. It's closing time. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Peace.